0: All right, welcome to another episode of Rosenballs. We got to dive into and dissect this Spider to New York situation. All right, so first I want to preface. I think it is a terrible idea for the Knicks to be pursuing Donovan Mitchell. Now, look, I'm not trying to say this in terms of like it needs to be uh, title or bust territory, but you need to be on the trajectory for something in the NBA, right? And There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts in life. There's no shortcuts of winning a title, right? I think everybody looks at, let's call it the 2008 Celtics, which is probably the uh, best example of a shortcut title. And I, as a Celtics fan, don't even cherish that title as much as most people cherish an NBA championship because I felt like it was a bit manufactured the wrong way, right? Like I didn't have a a fan investment into Kevin Garnett and grow up with him, right? I didn't feel his development as the team. We got him late in his prime, and he wasn't like the the final piece. We got him and Ray Allen, and I had to, like, adapt as a fan to two guys right off the bat, right? Obviously, Paul Pierce was there. You know, Rondo, right, was developed, but again, he was super young. Perkins, right? And then Tony Allen was part of that group a little bit. But I think the best way to do it is the way Golden State has done it, right? So fans really feel the development of players, the place in right positions to be successful, and to grow with the team. And OKC was on that road, and obviously, um, you, know, you know, Durant wanted to leave. We're not going to get into that. So just in general, this isn't like the right way to do it. That's A. But B, let's say it was. Let's say you're like, hey, we got a shot here. Let's go for it. So fine. If your goal is maybe not even to win the title, but uh, immediate uh, shortcut path to winning – this is the worst way to do it. I'll explain. Um, you know, and I, I Brian Windhurst mentioned this to an extent, but, like, if you just added Mitchell to the team, you didn't subtract anything, you added Mitchell, is that team better than Chicago right now? And, again, I bring that up because, like, look, Chicago lost in the first round. Chicago had DeRozan who was, you know, flirting with an MVP type of year the first half of the year. Uh, Caruso was a surprise for them. They got some other youth that, that established, et cetera. But obviously Vooch and Levine's there, right? So Chicago's a good barometer because that team is not getting out of the second round right now. Right now. And if you're going to tell me that you're going to sacrifice, and again, unprotected picks is the key here, you're sacrificing... Forget your future, forget these like little subjective things, but you're going to take the risk of losing unprotected picks down the line for a chance at, you know, a six to 10 seed range right now that that's problematic. I mean, that's just a scary thought, like selling your soul. I call it selling your soul when you mortgage your future, right? And it is selling your soul. Your soul is kind of like your, your future worth, right? You know, this is damn Yankees on steroids. You're not doing it to to win the division, to win the title. You're doing it to get in the six to ten range, and and again, you're, you're comparable with Chicago, right? You can make an argument Chicago's better. It's close, and that's if you just add Mitchell. I'm not even talking about what you subtract. You add him. Okay. The second piece here is just on fit. So usage is a big deal. You know, these players aren't additive, right? It's not like if. You get three guys that average 20 points a game, and you're scoring 100 points a game. You add another guy that scores 20, you're going to get to 120. They're not additive. The the usage, so the allocation of possessions, gets redistributed, right? There's only a certain amount of possessions a game. So who's, who's going to sacrifice, right? So probably Barrett gets less possessions. So he's not going to grow in the same rate you think he will. It's not like he's magically going to grow. And this is like a point I, I want to make on this, right? I'll bring up the stuff Curry, Nick's drafting him concept in a bit. So if Barrett gets less usage, right, and then Randall's going to get usage, is the redistribution of that usage now with Mitchell there a bit better? I'm sure there's going to be some, you know, positives, but it's not necessarily that much better. Here's what we do know. So let's talk about defensively. So if you sacrifice, if you swap Mitchell for Fortier, it's a slightly better defense because Fortier is not good on defense. Now, if Grimes were there, maybe he's a little bit better. So I can make an argument that if you don't even add Mitchell to the roster, given that the redistribution of usage offensively is going to be slightly better, Defense is not going to be en- en- enough better, and I could argue, without him, if you had started Grimes instead, it would be better. So net-net, we're coming down to a few more wins, which is a lot. Okay? But the Knicks weren't close last year. They drafted 11. They were the 12-13 range, right? Um, <clears throat> they weren't close. So it wasn't like they were the 10 seed last year. What this is sounding like to me... So those are two main points, right? A, basically... Um, here's the realistic range you're going to be in. Let's not talk about, like, division winning, you know. Let's talk about 6 to 10 range. And then second for me is even in the, the fit, even if you add them, you know, are you even that much better, right? So that they kind of play into each other. And, and here's the point I want to make about, like, development and stuff like that, right? It's not like stars are stars because they're stars. Stars become stars because of the situation they're placed in, development opportunities in that situation, and then they allow that players to to evolve further, right? I'm going to give you a comparison that I've been using. So when you get like a, a, you know, if you get a seed and you're trying to build a, you know, grow a flower, and that flower grows in a pot, right? The flower needs to grow. You're eventually hoping to see, to build a couple of big-time trees. You want to build a forest. That's a team. In order for that flower to grow further, you got to take it out of that, uh, that pot and put it into a bigger pot and eventually put it into the ground in, in a, you know, a backyard and see if it grows something bigger. That pot can't grow with other seeds in it. Or, or it can only grow to a certain extent. That's kind of how development works. Golden State, Steph Curry, people are like, oh, the Knicks, if they had drafted. Look, I'll be- if the Knicks had drafted Steph Curry, they would still suck today because they wouldn't develop Curry. They'd probably be moved by now. The Knicks have not extended a first-round pick. I think Mitch Robinson is the first one. So Charlie Ward. They don't even give them a chance. All right. I mean, they don't. These guys have, like, no, you know, hope. Right. So the question is, like, what do you do with that? You know, it's just, it's just really, uh, it becomes really, really messy. So, again, as. As a result, you know, if you got, I don't know, I'm just giving the example here, right? RJ Barrett, okay? Right, you brought on RJ Barrett and you bring Mitchell. Barrett's not going to develop the same way because his usage goes down. You know, he's going to become, and he's kind of going to be stagnant to what he is. So you can't say, like, well, then, you know, you go Barrett developing and blah, blah, blah. No. That's not how this is going to work. Right? So now it's going to hurt other people's development, including Brunson, by the way. Like, like Brunson still has room to grow. So his development gets squashed. And Mitchell, you know, because you just got him, you spent all this money to get him, is going to need to uh, play the usage that he plays. So it's going to hurt. Those guys are kind of stagnant. It's like there's going to be future growth here. And Mitchell's kind of peaked, right? So he's grown. So this is the team. And my example with Curry is, again, like in Golden State, Curry does not develop unless Kerr and management have the idea to move Monte Ellis. By moving Monte Ellis, they allow Curry more usage. He builds the offense, right? That's the thing about Draymond Green, by the way. They benched Lee, and they started Green. That was huge for them. So that allowed this whole kind of growth period to occur in Golden State. Now, Green's playing, they draft Clay, and they really build this movement. Those guys in in different scenarios don't work. Now, that's not the case for everybody. When you have super-duper stars that are like absurd talents that you know immediately, you know, Jordan, LeBron, Luca, what have you, that don't require such development, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist. You don't need to put them in the right situation. They'll succeed. My classic example for that is actually Tracy McGrady, right? He goes to Orlando with a depleted team, and and he kind of does it all. Fine. But for the Knicks, you know, for players in general, they need to be in the right situation to be successful. So it's just it's a bad match. And defensively, a Brunson-Mitchell backcourt is just not good. In today's NBA, you need defensive flexibility, and it's less about superstars and more about depth. The best route for the Knicks is to move off. Randall and Fournier the guys that they need to move off. Obviously, the contracts are bad. You don't want to move assets to just move them. <clears throat> but if they just simply remove them and just ate the deal, let's say they even just waived them, they'd be better off. Because Grimes now plays. Toppin now plays. Toppin showed a lot of signs last year. And then look, if you're bad, that's fine. You're bad in a, what's supposed to be a really good draft these next few years. And you have a lot of these picks coming up. And if you're, um, and if you're good, great. You're good with the youth. So it, it works for everybody, right? <laughs> and that, and that's how they should be thinking this. Like, but but they're not. They, and the, the issue, with, and I don't know if it's Dolan or whoever, but if you're. <sighs> Like you're, you, you have the you have more comfort to rebuild in a big market because you're not gonna, you know. I think and I think the the Knicks fans are smarter than people give them credit for. Like they're okay with a with a legit rebuild. Their, they'll get excited for the youth. They won't get excited for like this middle ground that gets up nowhere. You might get more casuals, but it's gonna be it's gonna hamper the franchise even worse than the whole Marbury McDice that whole fiasco. Like you're making a Zan Thomas look like red ore back right now. Fine. However, saying all of that, let's go under the premise that they have to get Mitchell. So if you have to get Mitchell and you have Tibbs as your coach, <clears throat> the biggest concern for me is future unprotected picks. Why? Two things. A, you need a safety net in case it doesn't go well and you need to be able to draft players. Okay? It really hurt Brooklyn when they were not able to do that. Two, if you're actually decent, you could do a ladder move and you need to have future assets to make moves in order to get the additional right pieces, which you don't know now what they're going to be. You'll know then. You don't know now what they might be um, to run out your roster to contend, if this goes well, which is a big if. <clears throat> So as a result, the most important asset, and I know Ainge is looking for this too, the most important asset for the Knicks, if you're deciding between the current youth and future picks, is future picks. Because you don't know who's going to work with who, right? So... And look, look. I would not even throw an R.J. Barrett in that, right? If that if that alleviates you from moving additional unprotected firsts, you do it to an extent, obviously. Like like Barrett for me is is by himself worth two unprotected picks. So if, if moving Barrett, so like I'll give you an example, right? The the right now the Knicks have the the 11th the things they got for the 11th pick, which are basically three protected picks a- assets. They're weak, <clears throat> and it's things like you know, um a Dallas pick, um, you know, a bunch of these weird protected picks, a Detroit protected pick, et cetera, et cetera, right? Those are harder to move in future deals, fine. For me, the bigger thing is the unprotected picks. <clears throat> now, they have, they can move up to eight picks, and there's obviously swaps involved. You don't want to do swaps either. It's another issue. So they can move up to five, I believe, uh, picks. I mean, they can move up to eight picks in total, they can move up to 5 unprotected protected picks. You want to get that number, if you're going to get Mitchell, down to 0, quite frankly. So let's do the math, right? So now if adding, and like, look, if these guys aren't going to play more than 25 minutes immediately, they should be in the deal. So the youth you care about the most are going to be the the three, you know, let's call four focus guys. We'll get to Barrett. Barrett's the, the best, obviously. He's the most impactful one. Top in quickly. I mean, top in, Grimes quickly, probably in that order. Now here's the thing, Toppin should be in the deal automatically. And I love Toppin. But if you because you have Randall, you're not gonna move Randall. You're just not like you should, but you won't. No one wants to take him to DOA. He has a, he's a negative asset right now. You can't move. him. So because of that, <clears throat> Randall, uh, because you're keeping Randall, where's Toppin gonna play? You just draft the hardest you have Robinson. So if Robinson and Hardest, you're combining for forty eight minutes, Randall's getting at least thirty. Toppin, unless there's injuries which there are, right, doesn't get more than 18 to 20. He's not getting more than 18 minutes a night. There's no scenario for him to if if they're healthy. So Toppin's out for me. And let's look at quickly. You just got Brunson. You have Rose still on the roster. Brunson and Rose is easily 48 minutes at point guard. If you're getting Mitchell, that's 33 to 35 right there. So at most, he's getting behind Mitchell at the two. Okay. If Barrett's still there, that's another 33 to 35. And you might, and Cam Reddish might be in this deal, sure. But you might also keep Cam Reddish. So at most, you're getting, let's say it's 35 35 Barrett and Mitchell. So that's 13, 26, right? For Quickly and Grimes. So one of them definitely has to go. It's going to be Quickly because he's small. is a little bit more of a point guard. He's not going to play any point guard minutes. He's strictly, he can't play the three. So it's a two, right? So he's the, the 13 minutes behind Mitchell. That's the max, 15. If this deal goes down, that's the max he's playing. And again, Grimes eats to that, so you got to figure what So quickly and top it done, because the minute allocation, they're not going to get minutes immediately. Okay, Deuce McBride's already in the deal, by the way. Right now, between Grimes and Reddish, you got to figure. Now, Grimes is going to have the more value. Okay, so again, both of those guys. The Reddish is interesting because he can play two, three, and four, but Tibbs never played him. Now, granted, he got hurt. I get it. I don't get the sense that Tibbs likes him. And his value is not great right now. His value is weak. Grimes has a lot more value. Okay? So, if, look, I don't want to move Grimes. And I don't know what Reddish is going to be. Right? But Grimes, again, if you're keeping RJ Barrett, if you're, which is a big if. You know, who knows? Maybe he's in the deal. But if we keep keeping R.J. Barrett, then, um, you know, acquiring Grimes just becomes, if we keep it R.J. Barrett, then playing Grimes becomes more difficult. The max, again, is about 26 minutes. That's less in the playoffs, by the way. <coughs> right? Because, again, if he's play 38, Grimes is 10 behind him. Um, you know, if they're both playing 38, you're only looking at 10. So he's 25 minutes in the regular season max, right? Because they're both playing 35, 25, 26, and the playoffs 20. So 20 to 25 for Grimes, that's the max. And we'll get to the rest of them uh, shortly. All right, so besides besides Grimes, this is, this is my point here, right? Like, Grimes is a guy with a lot more value, and I like Grimes, but again, if you're getting Spider and you're going for, like, this win now and you have Tibbs as your coach, you have to – and keep your unprotected picks. That's so critical. Obviously, you need to be also able to round out the roster. I get it. So now the question becomes, Grimes or Reddish? Grimes is way better than Reddish. Grimes also has way more market value than Reddish. Okay? That's a key. Because, again, if you're keeping, if you're getting Mitchell, this is this is your roster. It's Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, Randall, Robinson. It's your starting five. And let's talk about the guys you already have off the bench. You have Rose as a backup point guard, and you have Hardesty as a backup five. So, what are you missing? You're missing a backup wing, play a little minutes at the two, three, and maybe a four. So, right off the bat, the reason why Reddish is interesting to me, and it's a gamble, is because he could play two, three, and four. Okay, and if he does well, then he, you know, could that could be your A man rotation. Right, obviously, you guys can play together, and the uh, you know Rose and Brunson, whatever it is. Okay, Grimes more of a two-three fine, but <clears throat> there's no like backup. Like, what? Well, let's say Mitchell sucks. No, we know Mitchell's good. It's not like he's going to suck. I'm not even saying that. So there's no way that Grimes is going to start. Reddish, um, if he evolves well, then his, then his, he's got more room to grow at least off the bench, and his value's already low. But again, that's a bigger risk because Reddish is probably not going to be that good. Ideally, if you're the Knicks. You need to get something else besides Mitchell in this deal, first of all, to just round out your rotation. And I look at, you know, just a few, I look at the guys they just got from Minnesota. I don't know, like, Ainge is looking future, future, future. So he's going to be more, at least, easily willing to move guys like, you know, Malik Beasley, who they just picked up in that deal. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, perhaps, right? So if you could add those guys to the deal, and they won't require as crazy of a haul, and it allows you to at least move some of this youth and at least get that bench in play, that's something else. You also have to figure out if Timbs is even going to play these guys. Who knows? Right? Now, you, you don't want to have no bench and just, like, try to find guys off the waiver wire. That's not plausible. So Grimes, to me, is an interesting sticking point. Okay? And, I, and I'll bring him up. Right? Now, it, what's also interesting is the R.J. Barrett conundrum right, um, does R.J. Barrett, you know, it, it, if he allows you to not move any unprotected first or minimal unprotected first, that's interesting, because I don't even know how good Barrett's going to be with this, because, again, his usage rate's going to be small. Like, Grimes can be more of a 3 and D. Let's play two scenarios real quick, right? And Grimes will get a lot of minutes and get developed. I want to play two scenarios, Okay. Scenario A is so we, we already agreed top of the quick they're gone they're in the deal is not mid allocation for them. Right. And we gotta assume we're gonna get back like we need, you know, wings or whatever uh, in this deal. All right. And the and the jazz, by the way, are gonna have um you know money to spend. So Barrett's extension, all that. It shouldn't be an issue. They're they're gonna need to spend money. They're have a depleted roster. Okay. So that, that all is, is easier to swallow. But in analyzing this part, this is interesting. So if I'm the Knicks, I just want to minimize the unprotected first here. So the, the, those three protected firsts fine. And then, and then age is going to be about like how much he got back. Was it four firsts, whatever. If I could only do one unprotected first, that, that would be interesting. So let's envision a scenario. What, What scenario was better? Right? Let's say R.J. Barrett were too unprotected first. The difference between Barrett and Grimes. right? Let's actually keep it that way. So is the deal, all that. Let's say the deal, and I'm assuming, by the way, Fournier is the piece out. To level set this whole thing, by the way, because I'm assuming Evan Fournier is the guy that is the salary filler that goes to Utah. In actuality, if Randall was the guy instead, this would be way easier. He won't be the Knicks love him. His value's bad, but if it was Randall to Charlotte, Hayward to Utah, and now Hayward's the sort of cap filler that kind of matches Mitch's, Mitchell's cap, and then the little youth just kind of gets you there, then that would work. The other annoying thing is like the NBA got rid of, and I thought this was like a um, and that's unnecessary thing to get rid of. I don't know. So they got rid of this concept of like the. Uh, the player, you know, the team who acquires the player immediately waves him, then that guy just signs back with his old team. Right? Like a good example was <coughs> the Celtics traded, I think it was like Gary Payton at a first rounder back in the day to get Antoine Walker to return back to Boston. The Hawks, <coughs> <coughs> this was all <coughs> well agreed upon on the trade. The Hawks waved Payton. And then he signed back with bosses. He actually made a little bit more money, and he's still getting paid and all that, right? The NBA got rid of this rule, and I, and I bring this up because, like, for the Knicks, the Jazz have no use for Evan Fournier. But actually, it would have helped both teams, right, if Fournier would have, at least because he fits minutes in the back of 2-3. So, like, they could actually, it would have been more easy for them to, you know, throw in a Grimes in the deal. All right. Now, let's talk about Barrett. Let's talk about this fit. You know that you guy again. The guy at the three is gonna have such low usage. Like it's crazy, right? Um. So for me, the key is here. If Barrett's in the deal, I understand Knicks fans, but that's a killer. And the Knicks don't get rid of any unprotected first. How are you? Question. Um, yeah. We have three items that that weren't answered. Uh, there was we didn't have the bowl and basket, eastern potatoes. We offered you the Western, the uh, Yukon Gold. Amazing. Uh, as far as the probiotics, the uh, Stonyfield, we had one of the wild berry. We offered you a strawberry banana with that. And Perfect. then as far as the uh, watermelon chunks, we gave you slightly bigger, uh, like a watermelon bowl. Okay. A small watermelon bowl. I appreciate so, it. No problem. Thanks you so, it so you much. I'll have it right after you. Thank you. So, if Barrett's in the deal, let's say the deal with Barrett is the following. Let's say it's... Um, let's say it's Quick, Toppin, and Barrett. Okay? Let's say... And Reddish. Fine. And you're getting back. And one and all the... the and let's say it's just the three picks, right? Let's say it's just three picks. So the Knicks are getting all these pieces. I mean, the Jazz are. And you're getting back. Let's say you're getting back Malik Beasley, let's call it Bogey, and Vanderbilt. Those are the three guys I think you need to push for if you're in the Knicks to add here, right? And again, th- I'm only bringing this up. This is the only way, in my opinion, this actually works, right? So if I can get Bogey, Beasley, and look, age might be picky. Age, and let's say it's even one unprotected first. Fine. So I roll out a lineup of like Brunson, Mitchell. <clears throat> I could start Bogey. Whatever. Who cares? Bogey. Um, you know, Randall, Robinson. I could get Hardenstein, Vanderbilt. You know, uh, Beasley, uh, Rose off the bench. All right, we're building something here. That those little differences matter. Adding those things matter. So first of all, I have to add those pieces of the Vanderbilts the Beasleys and the Bogeys. I have to get one of Beasley and Bogey. I'd rather have Bogeys older. He's got less value to Utah. And I need Vanderbilt in that deal. I do. I think he would be helpful. Um. So if I remove Barrett, so the question is, if I, if I replace Barrett and Grimes with the rest of the starting five, what's the difference? How much worse am I? And I'd argue, and I know it's a crazy argument, but I feel like the Knicks are better. If Grimes is really a true 3-and-D and he can really defend well, so the hope is this. The hope is Tibbs proves himself coaching on the defensive end. He really gets the players to commit and all that, right? And if he could show improvement there, great. Mitchell and Brunson is, is a you know issue defensively. And Barrett is probably a better defender than Grimes. Grimes is a way better shooter. Again, if you have Grimes there, you're gonna have open up way more spacing. And now Mitchell Robinson is not gonna be such a negative offensively. He can get some lobs in there, like go Baird did with Mitchell and he's going to be defensive anchor. So I can argue that the difference between Grimes and Barrett, given the allocation they're going to have, is minimal. And if it means I'm only moving, let's say, one unprotected pick, and maybe I can get some of these other pieces there, that's the better move. I know this sounds crazy, but it makes more sense for the Knicks to actually include Barrett if they keep Grimes, and they can get the other veterans. That's a big if, right? And if it's just one, let's just say it's just bogey. Okay. Right? Cause because I could probably to me that makes more sense as an eight man rotation. And that's a an interesting team. Right? Now, so it'll be 48 all those guys going to uh going to Utah. Now on the flip, let's say I keep Barrett and Grimes is gone. Now instead of moving, I think it's worth two picks. That's worth two unprotected. So again. The two scenarios are it's either scenario A, Fournier, A, Toppin, Quickly, Grimes, and let's forget the the three are protected first. The three protected first are going out regardless. Uh, Grimes reddish. It's five pieces going out. Okay. I think that's the difference between three are protected first with scenario A, and then B, if you're swapping Grimes and Grimes and Barrett, it's one are protected first. Here's why I actually do Scenario B. Scenario B is way better for the Knicks. Right? So Scenario B is keeping Grimes and moving Barrett. Why? A, I'm only getting rid of one unprotected first. It's in a better draft 2023, which is next year. But B, if this is going to work, it has to work next year. So that, And it's probably going to work best next year, tr- too. So my pick is not going to be as great next year. Anyway. So I'm more willing to get rid of that 2023 pick. I know. What are you talking about? that, No. Right, it's probably going to work best now, because the guys are more in their prime. It's more guaranteed. Second thing, Barrett's going to be up for a crazy extension. So I really want to take that risk at, on him if he's not going to be the best fit, and and blow my whole load on that extension? Now I might have some more difficult guys to trade. It might not work as well. There's not a back. There's not like a backup plan here where now I could now retrade Mitchell. Right, this is kind of like the mellow deal. So I know it sounds crazy, but the conclusion I came up with was actually to move Barrett. It limits the unprotected first. You know, I might even do, if I have to, if if Dolan is telling me I need to get Mitchell, again, that's the premise, because I would not get him. If I need to get him, I'm negotiating under the premise of trading Barrett and keeping Grimes and minimizing the assets, right? So I I think... Age is looking at this, just the the sheer number of picks he's going to get. And I think Age wants eight, right? So he's getting the three plus the five. Let's say negotiated down right now, he's only going to get six. And that includes Grimes in there. What I'm saying is, and that's where the fight is. So no Barrett, you get Grimes, it's six. I'm saying swap Barrett. You actually get Barrett, we keep Grimes, and now it's four versus six. And again, I think Age lived this with Boston. He had all of these picks. And then he had difficulty like maximizing them. Remember, he almost dealt tons of picks to move up in the draft for, for Justice Winslow. Okay. So he had difficulty maxing this and 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 hitting correctly. Yeah, I like it. I, I think you you keep. Uh, you keep Barrett. I mean you move you Barrett's in the trade. And you keep Grimes. And only if you're getting Bogey back. You have to get at least. And the reason why Bogey is important is because it gives you exact. You need that flexibility. Redish is in this deal, by the way. I forgot. So was Deuce McBride, like all these guys who don't matter. Bogey, you know, again, his injury history is a little mixed, but he could play the three and four. And that's important because Grimes could play the two and three, right? And then Mitchell plays one, two, more two, obviously. Rose and Brunson are going to play the one and some two. So you already have, you want, in a playoff rotation, you want to have at least three guys that can play those wing positions. So you have, you have at least three guys that can play the two. You have Mitchell, uh, Grimes, and then I would say half of Brunson, half of Rose, right? Because, you know, not as much, but they'll do a little bit there. Right. Because you have two point guards like that who warrant over 25 minutes, they're going to have to play in a, in a backcourt together. Um, yeah. If that's what that means, that's the move. So, yeah, all in all, terrible idea for the Knicks to move Mitchell to get Mitchell. But if they're going to, it makes sense to move Barrett because I think it only means, you know, losing one unprotected 20, 23 first and keeping Grimes, even though. Uh, you know, Grimes, to me, has more potential in that scenario as a 3-D guy. And and if you move Barrett, again, with his salary, it's a little higher, I believe. You could squeeze in Bogey. That's the move. If you're getting back Bogey and Mitchell, then there's an arena where this whole thing works. Um, and again, Hartson can play a little four, so it works. Until next time.